an intriguing U.S. Open winner, a slew of injuries in the NFL, and why LeBron should worry about LeBron's house instead of full house. Let's talk about it on a brand new air attack starting right now. And we'll get to that stuff in just a minute. We've had bad injury weeks in the NFL before. This one was pretty bad. I think more because of the names that were involved. But if you look at some of these injury reports, the NFL is going to be a tough place to place wagers without getting a lot of information uh, this year. But we'll get to all that. We'll get to the LeBron stuff and uh, Bryson DeChambeau and whatever, whatever he's on in just a minute. Uh, but speaking of getting the information, uh, the Breonna Taylor case, obviously, as most of you know now, uh, results with no cops being charged with her killing. One guy's getting charged because he fired gunshots into a neighbor's apartment which sounds like really good police work by the way my god and it kind of lines up with what i've said all along the woman wasn't murdered uh I, i'm not happy she's dead i don't I, I never met the woman i don't know that she's a bad person but in terms of getting information out there the bottom line is what we know now if if you want to know it and some of you absolutely do not want to know it she was involved in her ex-boyfriend's drug business that's all there is to it now it's a little confusing here because she was with a different guy this is her ex that was in jail. The guy's been in and out of jail, and they, they stayed close. I think they said that he called her 25, 26 times during, during a, a four-year period while she was in jail. But they've got her on tape, guys. They, they just do. They've got her on video. They've got her on audio tapes talking about holding money. They've got her on video at a house that was known to, to house drugs. And I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to sound like McGruff the crime dog here. I, I'm not, okay? I'm not trying to act like I'm, you know, anti-drug and anti-crime and, oh, my God, that's the worst thing ever. I'm not saying that whatsoever. Not at all. What I am saying is that she was involved with a guy who was trouble. Okay, she rented a car for the guy. A dead body showed up in the car. Remember, does that sound familiar? Because that should kind of remind you of Aaron Hernandez. Okay, there were things going on here. I mean, the guy is on tape saying that he, he had thousands of dollars at her house. The ex-boyfriend used her, used her address on bank accounts and had given her address to cops as his address. He'd even given her phone number as his phone number. That's why they had a warrant. That's why they were there. Now, the way it went down, I wasn't there, you weren't there, but to listen to athlete after athlete, now Jay Williams goes on a teary-eyed you know, rant on ESPN with, with, the, with the puppy dog eyes, and everyone needs to vote. It's amazing how that works, right? Oh, by the way, vote. This isn't political, but please vote. Okay, I'm sorry, guys. It's ridiculous. From Malcolm, Je Malcolm Jenkins with the waterworks, okay, sc screaming and yelling about Drew Brees. You got Colin Kaepernick out there saying that the cops are white supremacists and we need to abolish the police, but he really wants to play in the NFL. Okay, and now Jay Williams going off. Max Kellerman a couple days ago telling you that the protests around the country are mostly peaceful, but when they're not peaceful, they're right-wing extremists who are agitators. This is what we're getting on ESPN. It's stupid. It's absolutely stupid. I have no problem saying it's stupid, and it's also completely insincere. So the New Orleans Saints can go out on Monday night, okay, before they lose to the Raiders, which never should have happened, but, you know, that, that, that is what happens when you're not focused on football, and they can wear their say-her-name jerseys. They can wear Breonna Taylor's name on their helmets. It's not going to change what happened in the case, guys. It just isn't. And people say, well, how would you feel if it was someone in your family? How? Well, I wouldn't feel good about it at all. But I also wouldn't feel good about a lawyer going out there and spreading lies about her that are then refuted by people who are interested in just getting the facts. She wasn't home sleeping. They didn't knock down her door and start and start and just start firing shots. It's not what happened. The guy she was with fired the cops. They fired back. When you fire a cops, that's what happens. And they, no, and no, someone doesn't have to get arrested for that. That's what happens. Executing warrants are dangerous. Police work is dangerous. The drug game is dangerous. And there's no judgment anywhere there on my part. But now you want to have riots. You want to have ESPN personalities going off with it. Jalen Rose screaming at halftime. Arrest the cops. Get, get the fuck out of here, all of you. 
And for all of you coming at me and saying, well, gee, they just care about black lives, and if no one's arrested, she doesn't matter. Hey, wait a second. Where were the waterworks for David Dorn when he was shot? Because there was like a five or six day stretch where they couldn't find his killer. Did one NBA player, did one ESPN personality, did one NFL player offer reward money? They didn't. Because they don't really give a shit. How about Megan The Stallion? Shot in each of her feet by Tory Lanez. Where's your waterworks for her? What, does she not matter? She even said who shot her. He's walking around like it never happened. It's politics. It's about building their personal brands, and it's horseshit. Okay? And honestly, let the woman rest in peace. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. When that attorney, Ben Crump, gets involved, he got involved with the Ahmaud Arbery case. He got involved with Breonna Taylor. He got involved with Jacob Blake. One, two, three. Every case, he puts a story out. The story is filled with lies. The lies lead to riots, and that just becomes the truth. And this clown show that's going, oh, well, gee, you know, Joe Biden doesn't want riots. Democrats don't want riots. Bullshit, because it always happens in their fucking cities. Notice that? These riots aren't taking place out in the country, guys. They're taking place right there in the cities. Okay, it's stupid. And if, and if you don't recall, when we were, we were dealing with George Floyd and those protests, riots, whatever you want to call them, in June and July, they were signing up voters there. This is politics. And that's fine. Politics is dirty. Politics, whatever. It's an election year. But give me a break with the athletes and give me a break with ESPN already. I swear to God, it's like it's like if you missed MSNBC the night before, if you missed CNN, don't worry. Just get up and turn on turn on Get Up on ESPN and Max Kellerman and Jalen Rose will take care of it for you. I mean, it's preposterous what's been going on and the pick and choose nature of this, okay? The cops didn't commit murder and that's just all there is to it. People want to bring up Dylan Roof and every other irrelevant, Trayvon Martin. It's got nothing to do with any of this thing. Okay, the, woman, the woman's family hired a lawyer who's a liar. And guess what? They just cashed into the tune of, I think it was $12 million. $12 million. You think he doesn't get any of that money? If you don't think so, you're a fool. He probably gets a minimum of a third of that money. And that's, and that's a conservative estimate. You think he's doing charity work? You think he's not working with a, with a political army behind him? You're insane. So, you know what? Go ahead and light the streets on fire. Go ahead and break glass. Do whatever you want to do. You're acting like fools. That's all there is to it. And the athletes who are encouraging it, to me, are, are every bit as guilty and every bit the fool that the protesters are. Okay? It's just stupid. Colin Kaepernick's not out there jumping in front of vehicles. Okay? That's you. That's your dumbass. Okay? And just because a black guy gets on TV and starts crying about something doesn't mean I'm going to believe it. Just last week, we had LeBron James crying because Lori Loughlin, also known as Aunt Becky from Full House, is only going to jail for a month or two, and she gets to pick her jail. Y you know what? She shouldn't be going to jail at all. That entire case is ridiculously petty. It's frivolous. But because everyone wants to scream about white privilege, okay, we have to go on and on and on and on and on. You think people haven't been using favors and cash to get their kids into the school of their choice for years? What do you think the Ivy League is? I mean, you got to be out of your mind. Nice people are going to jail. I, I, don't get me wrong. I think she's an idiot. I think her kids are even dumber. Okay, and I think it's ridiculous that she went to, le to the lengths that she did to try to get her kids into USC where the kids don't really even have to work to begin with. But what the hell does LeBron James give a shit about whether or not she goes to jail? Because he has to paint the picture that she is the, the, the paradigm of white privilege. Because, oh my God, she's good looking and it's just so unfair and she's, oh, she's, she's white. And a black person would be going to jail for a, a black person would have been executed. It's stupid. Meanwhile, back at home, okay, where LeBron may want to check in once in a while, his kid is apparently posting 
videos on Instagram of himself smoking a, smoking a blunt. You say, well, maybe it wasn't a blunt. Maybe it wasn't a blunt. If he's smoking at all, is that also is that a good thing? The kid's 15 years old. And we sure know he's trying to make it look like a blunt. Maybe LeBron should take care of his own backyard and his own home before he starts bitching and moaning about things that have nothing to do with his life. This is straight-up politics, and it's stupid, and it's boring. Give me a fucking break. Oh, it's murder. She was murdered in cold blood. What murdered in cold blood, you dummies? Cops are serving a search warrant. A search warrant they had every right to serve. You don't like the search warrant, take it up with, with, the, with the prosecutor in the case. But that's not going to go anywhere either because the facts all point to Breonna Taylor being in the drug game with her ex-boyfriend. Bottom line, whether you like it or don't like it is not relevant. And stop telling me, well, it doesn't matter that she wasn't an EMT. It doesn't matter that she wasn't sleeping. If it didn't matter, her attorney or her family's attorney wouldn't lie about it. It does matter. It doesn't mean her life didn't matter. Life mattered the day she got up. Life still matters now. That's not the point. The point is that when someone dies, you don't just get to say, oh, arrest those people or we're going to go burn shit down. We're going to jump in front of cars. Where, by the way, the cars are still undefeated. That's amazing. I always, I, I'm always impressed by protesters who jump in front of cars and then when the car starts moving, the protester puts his hands on the hood and digs his feet into the asphalt like that's going to make a difference. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's great. And what the, but, you know, the seriously though, with these protesters, you're just getting more people hurt. In fact, two cops got shot in Louisville. No one had a thing to say about that. Not one athlete. No one. Nobody. No one in the NBA. No one in the NFL. None of these people who care so much about, and one of the cops apparently was black. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It matters which, which case they pick and choose. Okay? Custom-made t-shirts in the NFL. Custom-made t-shirts in the WNBA. As if anybody's, I didn't even realize they were even still playing over there. Names of these people on helmets. You're trying to basically prosecute these cases while they're still going on. And it's ridiculous when you have none of the information. Or when you have a tenth of the information. Or half of the information. It's pathetic is what it is. And it's ridiculous. And honestly, the ratings in the NBA are atrocious this year. Mark Cuban can spin them any way he wants and pick and choose certain demographics. The bottom line is that they're down. And somebody pointed to the ratings of the NFL on Monday with the Raiders and the Saints being up from last year. Last year's game between the, the Browns and the Jets in Week 2 is one of the worst Monday night games you'll ever see. The Jets didn't show up. I think the Jets had either three or six points the entire game. They were awful. They could not score. They couldn't move the ball. It was pouring rain. And by the way, in case you haven't figured out, I watched this game. It was pouring rain that day. It was, it was just a joke. Jets never had a chance. I think, in fact, I think I actually took the Browns live in this game at a much higher number than the original line because you could just tell the Jets weren't doing anything. But people aren't watching. And people want to argue with me and say, well, you know, gamblers watch games and fantasy players watch games. And yet, I said, listen, it's the Saints and the Raiders. The Raiders have a national following. They got a following all up and down California in the north and in the south. Plus, they're playing their first game in Vegas, their first game in this brand new palace of a stadium. And it was Monday Night Football's 50th anniversary. And it was simulcast on three different networks. So go on, guys, and brag about your enhanced ratings on Monday night. And you know what? The Monday night ratings next week will be even better because Mahomes is up against Lamar Jackson. you got a great game. I don't not want people to watch the NFL. I want people to watch sports. I think especially in an election year, the best thing you can do is watch some sports. The problem is when you try to watch sports, you get politics thrown back in your face. So the ESPN studio shows have become unwatchable drivel. I mean, it's, it's just it's, it's shameful. I, I'm sorry. Every once in a while, guys are allowed to watch sports and enjoy that. And not have some narrative shoved down their throats. Whether it's by their favorite team or a team they don't like. But I'm, I'm telling you, the numbers in the NBA are not lying. People, and these are, these are, by the way, these are good teams. 
the Lakers with LeBron and Anthony Davis up against Denver and all their young stars with Jokic and 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 um, and Murray and Michael Porter Jr. I mean, these are exciting teams. The Heat play as hard as anybody, which no 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 surprise they got Iguodala and Jimmy Butler on that team. Tyler Hero, who I thought was going to be a very good player, who I thought was a dark horse for Rookie of the Year, had a huge game yesterday. And it's the Celtics, one of the most popular teams in the league. And the ratings are down because people are tired of this stupidity. And, these, and, and half of these people at ESPN, you can tell they don't believe the shit that's coming out of their mouths, but they don't want to get run out of there like Trey Wingo or like Will Kane or a bunch of other people. I'm sorry, Brianna Taylor's family has to keep going through this, but when, they, when you hire that attorney, you know what you're getting yourself into. And with all due respect, her family cashed in on this as well. Bottom line. And once you make someone a household name, this is what happens. And once you push and push and push, you're going to get people who push back. And you don't got to be pro-cop. You don't have to be anti-black people or anti-white people or any of those things. You just have to be an honest person to see what happened in this case. Believe me, I wish she was alive today. Okay, but she made some mistakes. So, so, did, so did possibly those cops. That doesn't make it murder just because they're cops. And the idea that people get on TV with the puppy dog eyes and tell you we, we need this and blah, 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 blah. Oh, and by the way, vote. It, 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 it's always, it is, it is inevitably tied to their command to vote. We all know who they're telling you to vote for. They can, they can play like they're not part of a political party, but we all know who they're telling you to vote for or who they're telling you to vote against. Man, sometimes people just want to, you know, there's a reason stick to sports became a popular phrase because sometimes people want to be able to stick to sports as the viewer. It's hard to do that when the people presenting it refuse to do it. Okay, out to the U.S. Open where uh, Bryson DeChambeau was a runaway winner in a very, just a sort of an odd event, you know, an odd time of year. You know, you had shorter days. You had no fans there. Uh, looking ahead to the Masters, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with limited daylight on a, on a different golf course. And they're a little scared now because Bryson DeChambeau basically brought that course, relatively speaking, to its knees. And that was not supposed to happen. The USGA likes the winning score to be somewhere around par. And what was good about the tournament from that standpoint was that very few guys broke par. But DeChambeau becomes a runaway winner on a course with ridiculous rough. I was told by somebody the week of the tournament, before it, before it started, that there were estimates that the winning score was going to be 8 to 10 over because it was so difficult. And the rough was so healthy and so thick and there was moisture, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, that didn't happen. I believe his winning score was 6 under. And if you haven't noticed, uh, Mr. DeChambeau has engaged in a workout regimen uh, throughout the offseason and, and, and during this season that is a little bit, um, shall we say, intense, where he has put on a ton of muscle. I think right now he said he's 6'1", 242, and he's planning on putting on more weight. Uh, his arms are bigger. His chest is bigger. He is just bigger. He's hitting the ball forever. He's hitting the ball a mile, and he's getting himself into trouble. Then he gets right back out because he's strong enough to hit it out of this really heavy rough. And it's, he's almost toying with the golf course. And not to mention, he's hitting the ball so far that even if he's in trouble, he doesn't have to hit a five or a six iron out of the rough, which is more difficult to, if you don't play golf, far more difficult to hit than a wedge or a, or a nine iron or an eight iron. So the shorter clubs are much easier to hit. I'm just trying to explain for guys that maybe aren't golf savvy. And to a lot of players, this is considered a little unfair. It's considered in poor taste, or maybe they're just not used to it. And you can see some of the players from Rory to uh, a couple of the other guys, uh, I think... Um, I think Justin Thomas was asked, and you know, some guys defended him. Some guys kind of were, were on the fence, but he's not breaking any rules, provided he's not, you know, juicing or doing steroids. He's got a, you know, he's got a, got his supplements that he takes, and you know, he's up there giving his uh, giving his acceptance speech at the podium or doing doing the press conference afterwards, and he's got his supplement right next to him and a little glass of chocolate drink, and you know, he's basically rubbing it in everyone's face. Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm taking. 
He's also talking about going to a 48-inch driver. I think he said he's going to experiment with that this week. That is very long. That's, that's probably three to four inches longer than most guys on tour are using right now, or at least a couple inches. You know, he, he's just trying to play a different type of game. And now a lot of golf courses are trying to figure out how they're going to protect the course against him. But we've seen this before with Tiger. We saw it before Tiger with Jack Nicholas. Sometimes the game changes. And maybe this guy is changing the game a little bit, but there are ways around it. What I would do, and here's, here's one thing that's going, that's going on in golf courses for a while now that needs to stop. A lot of these clubs are taking out trees. And this trend started with Pinehurst a few years back where somebody dug up old photos of Pinehurst and they saw the original layout with hardly any trees and they thought, well, that would be great. Let's just have no trees. But you know what they did was they added waste areas of sand and things, things of that nature to make it penal if the guy misses his tee shot. You've got to make the guy pay for missing his tee shot. So if you don't want to put you know, bunkers everywhere and a ton of sand and waste areas and things of that nature, you're going to have to add trees. You're going to have to have pine trees. You're going to have to hold these tournaments at places that are, that are already mature and healthy with a bunch of trees. And pine trees are the best because pine trees, the ball doesn't go through pine trees. A lot of times it ends up in the tree itself, and that's what you're going to have to do. The, the issue, though, is you can't just add trees. Trees need time to grow. So if the USGA wants, you know, wants to protect a, you know, a winning score that's close to par or you know, something along those lines, they're going to have to think about where they hold these tournaments. And places like Pebble Beach and you know, a, a lot of these places, you know, if, if they want them to be in the mix, they're just going to have to accept that the scores might be lower. Because some players may actually talk to Bryson DeChambeau about nutrition, about supplements, about working out, and they may actually start to get on the same page as him. And if that happens, it may change the way golf is played, for better or for worse. You know, there is, but there's a way, there is a way to protect against these scores, is my point. The idea that he's just going to go out there and win every week. First of all, you still got to play well. You still got to putt. You still got to chip. And you still got you know, to hit good shots. But the idea that, like, you know, every golf course is now going to be, uh, you know, defenseless against this guy or anybody who just wants to bomb away. You know, guys have been bombing away for a long time. I think what's different about him is that he is so, and how can I put this, irritating with how prepared he is. He has his little book. He takes notes on every little inch of the golf course, which way the ball bounces and breaks and everything. He's a notoriously slow player. He also has a set of golf clubs that are basically the same length, no matter what club it is. Typically, you know, your 9-iron is longer than your pitching wedge, your 8-iron is longer than your 9-iron, and, and so on up the line. He's, he has a set of clubs where all the irons are the same length. So it's very, very bizarre. His setup is bizarre. Even the way he dresses is bizarre. And now his, his physique is, is very, you know, it's very eye-catching. And I think that's part of the problem here. And I think, you know, guys are, are kind of tor torn between, well, he's not breaking the rules, but he's kind of changing the game. And he takes so long to play. And he kind of rubs us the wrong way. And, you know, the other thing the USGA can do is they can put restrictions on equipment. They can say you can only use a driver that's this long. You can only use this kind of ball. So I wouldn't panic just yet. I mean, let the guy go ahead and be dominant the way Jordan Spieth was a few years ago. And I'm talking about not hitting the ball anywhere near as long as this guy. You know, let him run through three tournaments in a row like Dustin Johnson just did. No one had a problem with that. So I'm not, you know, some, I'm not some huge Bryson DeChambeau fan. I'm not some, you know, big apologist. I'm one of the biggest Tiger fans you'll ever find. And when Tiger first came out, they were talking about how Augusta National was going to Tiger-proof the golf course. Now, was there a twist of racism in that um, in the mid-'90s? Yeah, probably. A little bit. Today, I don't, you know, you could say maybe, but, but back then, yeah, you, you know, you got some, you had some, you know, old timers there that probably were a little, let's just say, uh, antiquated in their views on the game of golf. And I'm sure that was a small part of it. But part of it is they just don't want people ripping up their golf course. And to prove that before Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas had come along and figured out, I think it was on the 10th hole, that you could hit a drive into the driving range at Augusta and have a much shorter approach shot. 
So what do they do at, you know, the year after that? They made that out of bounds. So basically, whether it's the club or whether it's the USGA, there's something to be said about making the player work hard to win a championship that you're hosting. And that's where, that's where it goes. But um, as far as Bryson DeChambeau goes, let, let's just see him go on some kind of run before we get worried about him just dominating simply because of the physical shape that he's in. Bottom line. Now, the other issue I had with the U.S. Open this week is they put some of the, the coverage on Peacock. Peacock is the new NBC app. And one of the things that I've gotten into over the last few years, and not just because of the lockdowns and the lack of sports choices, but because I'm friends with a couple of guys, one from England and one from Scotland, who really got me into soccer over the last few years, I've really gotten into the English Premier League. And it turns out now English the EPL is going to put a lot of their games on this Peacock app. And I'm like, okay, you know, I, I guess things are changing. It, maybe it shouldn't be that big of a deal. But it is a big, it is a big deal because you get to download the app to your TV and now you got to change back and forth. I don't want to have to watch a bunch of apps to watch sports. Okay, I, I spend decent money on cable. The other thing is Peacock wants you to pay five bucks a month to watch the English Premier League. I understand it's only five bucks a month, but it's just you're, you're, you're setting a, a precedent here and it's not going a good direction. And you can see what they're doing here. They're test running. They're not starting this with Sunday Night Football partly because the NFL would never put up with this shit. And I guess the English Premier League just doesn't care as long as they get their money from NBC. But I, I'm not interested in, in watching Larry Wilmore host another terrible show on the Peacock app. Anyway, I had the Peacock app, and I've had it since the end of uh, the English Premier League season because they put some of their games there uh, back then. They just sort of buried them there and sort of forced you to download their app if you wanted to watch the games, and in one case, I did. Um, I'll give you three guesses why that was, but I did. And so I said, okay, whatever. And I can run it through one of my TVs with a Chromecast and whatever, but you could also download the app to your television. So I said, okay, let me try to download this app to my TVs. And maybe maybe I'll pay the five bucks a month. Maybe I won't, you know, whatever. So it's, it's, it's $5, guys. It doesn't matter. But, you know, maybe, maybe I'll sign up for this premium version of Peacock. And I realized, like, I can't do it. And I'm texting my buddy, and I'm like, listen, I, this, is why, this is why I don't like this. First of all, they want a password for my network. They want me connected to the Internet. They want this. They want that. And now I can't even find the app. And he goes, well, how do you, you, know, how do you download your apps? And I said, I don't know. I go to this thing, you know, the this, this Samsung Smart Hub or whatever. And he goes, oh, yeah, sends me a link to an article. Peacock's not available on Samsung TVs. Guess who has all Samsung TVs in his house? And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. So when you, when you do stuff like this, it's just, it's just another obstacle that a sports fan has to go through to just watch sports. And, and you know what? People tend to resent stuff like that. The U.S. Open was still available on NBC for most of the day. You know, the stuff that was on Peacock was just early round coverage. But now they're doing it with the English Premier League. The problem I have is not what they're doing with that. I'll get by without the EPL. I will. I mean, I'll, I'll miss just turning it on TV once in a while because it's still going to be on NBC Sports most of the time. But the times when they bury it, I'm going to find it to be kind of a nuisance. But my life will go on, I promise you. I promise you I'll find something to do. I'll, I'll, I'll be okay. My issue is that they're trying to go a certain direction here where they make you pay for the games you really want to see. Like the Oklahoma season opener was on pay-per-view. And they've, and they've done that before. I think when Oklahoma played Army, was it last year or the year before when Army took them to overtime? That game was like on a pay-per-view basis. And we all know how this goes in the Midwest and the South with college football. There are people who doesn't matter doesn't matter what you do to them, they'll pay to watch their team play, even if it's wrong. And that's what kind of disturbs me about this whole Peacock app. And we'll see where it goes. I don't think the NFL will ever bother doing something like that. The NBA, Major League Baseball, I don't think. 
But we've seen them push and push and push where a game is on NFL Network, and if you can't get NFL Network, you just can't watch this game. Or this game's going to be on MLB Network, and if you don't have MLB Network, you can't get it. And we're not going to put this game on Fox. We're going to put it on FS1 or FS2, and now you got to order this and you got to order that. Now we're getting to the point where we're taking it outside the channels and we're going to apps. So that's something to keep an eye on. I hope that doesn't become too much of a trend, but uh, the way the world's going right now, I'm not quite sure because a lot of people are getting rid of their cable this seems like the next logical step, but they've got to make it. In, they got to make it accessible in a way where if you want it, you want some people to download your app, they can download your app right then and there. It doesn't matter what kind of TV they have, and like a lot of things in the technology world, what's happened is Peacock hasn't worried about getting it right. They just worried about getting it out there. So I'm not sure where that's going to go or where the Peacock app is going to go. When they start putting Notre Dame games on there, then you can start to worry. I could see them. I could see a world where they start toying with the NHL on Peacock. That I could. That I could absolutely see. And Notre Dame, by the way. Uh, has to cancel their game this week against Wake Forest because they had, I think it was seven positives in their football program. It could be more. You know, you never know about this. But what's interesting about that is that Notre Dame, at the beginning of this season and at the beginning of the school year, was borderline braggadocious about how careful they were being with COVID and how COVID-sensitive they were. And everyone had a mask. Everybody was social distancing. And, we're, you know, basically they were going to be the, uh, you know, the, the model on which other programs and other universities were, were sort of built built around. You know what I mean? Like you were you were going to go ahead and you were going to follow the lead of Notre Dame. They were trailblazers and pioneers. You guys are walking around with masks. It's not a big deal. You think you invented that? You think you invented social distancing? Give me a break. And next thing you know, they were having problems all over the campus because just like any other campus, they can't control what goes on off campus. NYU tried that apparently this past week. I, I didn't get the, all the details on the story, and I'm pretty careful not to spread stories where I don't have all the details, but the best I could see it, NYU had a kid that went to a gathering, went to a party somewhere in the city. The kid was an online student, and because somebody got a picture of him there and reported him to NYU, so I don't know what's going on there. That's That sounds a little childish, and it's like maybe something else is at play here, but somehow NYU decided they were going to suspend the kid. But the kid's contention is, Listen, I'm an online student. I'm not going to be around anybody else ever. It's none of your business what I do. So some of these schools are going over the top with how much they can control you, which, by the way, if that's not illegal, it totally should be. Anyway, the point is Notre Dame had a problem with an outbreak after an off-campus party a few weeks ago. Now you see what's going on with the football players. And with football players in college, basically, if one guy gets it, you can assume half the team has it. It's just the nature of the sport that they play combined with the living conditions. The guys spend so much time around each other in these classes. A lot of them take the same academic classes. They take, you know, they obviously they have football meetings. They, they live typically in an athletic dorm. It's just how it's going to be. Like, and so like I said last week, you can't bet these games until Friday at the earliest. That's just the way it is. Uh, last week, you had a sort of a limited schedule. Notre Dame just, just clobbered South Florida. Clemson played the Citadel. So Citadel gets, gets a nice payday for that, Thank, uh, good, thankfully for them. And I'm not kidding about that either. If the Citadel can't play that game against Clemson, and cash that check, which which probably they negotiated a, a lower figure for because the gate at, at, at Clemson was going to be a lot lower. They probably have to cancel sports this year. Maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. You, know, you probably don't have like, like, a, like a baseball team and, and, and our track team at Citadel if you don't play that game against Clemson. It really means a lot. The game that stood out to me was Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, 16-7 to over Tulsa. They were 23.5-point favorites over, over this team. They ran the ball constantly in this game. I mean, it was, it was very strange. I'm not... I'm not asserting anything untoward. I'm not saying this was, you know, the fix was in or anything crazy like that. But this is Oklahoma State we're talking about. They ran 70 plays from the line of scrimmage, and 50 of them, 5-0, were runs. So, again, my advice, if you're thinking about wagering on these games, and, you know, go ahead, have at it. You know, if you don't care about the money or whatever, you know, go ahead and bet on the games. But if you're thinking about doing it with money you actually care about, 
give it a week or two because these games are very, very unpredictable given this offseason. I can't tell you exactly why Oklahoma State decided they were going to pound the ball into the ground. Their quarterback did get hurt in this game, but they were running the ball before that happened. Their first drive of the game was 17 plays long. And Chuba Hubbard was not that great. Remember, they had the problem in the offseason with Chuba Hubbard and Mike Gundy because of a T-shirt he wore, which you know had the logo of a TV network, and that TV network had an anchor, and that anchor once said something about Black Lives Matter, and all of a sudden, Chuba Hubbard wasn't going to accept anything anything at Oklahoma State until there was real change, and the music, and the hairstyles, and everything else. had to, it just all, all of these things had to change. We needed real change. Well, I'll tell you what real change is. Running the ball 50 times at a 70 plays when you've got this high-flying offense that often goes four and five wide. So it's very tough to predict how these teams are going to come out and how tight they're going to be. The, the special teams play has been atrocious. The field goal kicking has been tough to watch. So I would tread really lightly, especially when teams are playing their first games of the season. Last week's big game was Miami and Louisville. That was kind of fun to watch, especially if you had Miami or the over in this game. The teams kind of went back and forth in the second half. The kid that plays quarterback for Louisville, Cunningham, you know, fast quarterback, you know, big, you know, elusive, big arm, kind of sounds familiar, right? I'm not sure he's really the second coming of Lamar Jackson. He is quick. He doesn't really have the elusiveness. Lamar Jackson didn't really have the big of an arm when he was at Louisville. He's gotten a little better with that. I just mean a little better in the NFL. Not sure Cunningham is a pro prospect, but Louisville's team is just sloppy. Miami's team is a little sloppy too, but Louisville's team on defense just couldn't do anything. I mean, they, they literally couldn't even cover guys. Never, mean, never mind they couldn't keep up with guys. They couldn't even get the coverages right. So some of these teams are just in disarray, and that's just how it's going to be. And the, and the COVID thing is a big part of it. You know, sometimes you're going to have guys who maybe they don't miss games, but they missed a lot of practices. Um, it, it's just the, just the world that you're living in right now. So this week we'll get some SEC games. Auburn plays Kentucky. That's kind of interesting. LSU gets to play against Mike Leach and that new uh, Mississippi State system. But remember, Mississippi State's coming in with the players they had last year. They weren't recruited by Mike Leach, a lot of them, unless they're, unless they're playing as true freshmen. So that's going to be a transition period. You're going to have a lot, of a, a lot of issues here with being able to figure out exactly what teams are going to do and how they're going to do them. So... Listen, do I think Alabama's going to come out and play well against Missouri? Yeah, I do. Do I want to lay 27 points on the road with a new quarterback? And I, Not necessarily, no. And I don't need to because there's going to be other opportunities to wager later in the week. And your, your 7.30 game this week, Florida State, Miami, ah, you know what? That's basically just making the best of what you got to work with. It's going to be a few weeks before those games, you know, those primetime games are really good. Obviously, in a month, the Big Ten is a go. They start October 24th. Now the Pac-12 wants to get on the act the next week. It looks like even the Mountain West, remember them? Looks like even they want to start playing football. So it looks like you're returning to some, something that resembles normalcy. It looks like an eight-game or maybe a nine-game season is going to be the benchmark this year. That's kind of how they used to do it, right? So it's not really that bad. But right now, you're going to have a real tough time predicting these college games. That's just me being honest with you. NFL, let's go over some of the games real quickly here. I'm not going to go over everything. Um, Baker Mayfield looked a lot better on Thursday night against Cincinnati. He should have. Cincinnati's defense is atrocious. In fact, if I was going to give one pick this week, depending on the weather, it would be the over in the Philadelphia-Cincinnati game. It sits at 46 or 46.5 right now. I think Joe Burrow can move the ball against Philadelphia, and I think Philadelphia can just pound away on Cincinnati. Check the weather, though. There's supposed to be thunderstorms and high winds. If that's going to happen, um, then I would obviously pass the game. But obviously, when you're predicting thunderstorms, that th those kind of forecasts can be very, very fluid. But Joe Burrow showed some signs of promise. Baker Mayfield looked very good. They're going to play Washington this week, which is going to be a tougher defensive test. Good news for the Browns is that the wa is Washington just can't move the football. The Bears 17-13 over the Giants. Obviously, Saquon Barkley goes down in a week where a bunch of big names went down. The best way I can put it for Saquon Barkley and the Giants right now is that it just hasn't worked out. We've seen this in the past. If you're a Giants fan, you saw it with Odell Beckham between the injuries and the attitude just wasn't going to work. Before him was Jeremy Shockey. Injuries, attitude, big-time talent out of college, it just wasn't going to work. 
And I watched Saquon Barkley come from Penn State, and I was a big advocate of the Giants picking him at number two, even though he was a running back, for the simple fact that they needed explosiveness and he could do it all. But he's gone from a kid who has come running with the American flag next to his coach at Penn State to a couple years later in training camp as a second-year guy who did nothing his rookie year. I mean, he had a couple explosive plays, but the team accomplished zero on the field as far as I was concerned. He's in the locker room in training camp talking about Colin Kaepernick. And shocker, he's also a Nike athlete. So his head hasn't exactly been in the right place. The team has not supported him. It just hasn't worked out. Josh Allen with a big game against the Dolphins. It'll be interesting to watch the Bills and see how they bounce back against the real team in the Rams. Not taking anything away from the Dolphins, but the Bills had to go down there in the Florida heat against a so-so at best Dolphins team after just absolutely mauling the Jets in week one. Let's see how they handle a Rams team who came off a tough game against the, the Cowboys to go into Philadelphia and pretty much have their way with them. I know there was a back-and-forth game, but the Philadelphia turnovers really kind of decided this game. But let's see how the Rams do now. Their second game on the road in the East at 2-0. Let's see how they face up face off against the Bills. I think that's kind of an interesting matchup. You got San Francisco going into play the Giants. San Francisco loses Nick Bosa. They lose Mostert. I mean, they got basically no one in their secondary. They still romp over the Jets, who are basically at this point showing no signs of life. And I would say Adam Gase, if the Jets were run like a normal team, Adam Gase would probably be the first guy to go. Uh, Pittsburgh holds on 26-21 over Denver. Denver loses Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton, who is Drew Locke's favorite target. Uh, they've already lost Von Miller for the year. I mean, it, it, it's just amazing how these guys are dropping like flies. I'm not minimizing it at all, guys. I'm just saying these guys are, you got to think the offseason has had something to do with it. The Colts with a slew of injuries, 28-11 to 11 over Minnesota. Minnesota without Stephon Diggs is terrible. I mean, they are so bad. Maybe the worst loss last week, though, was the Falcons. The Falcons were gifted possession after possession after possession by the Cowboys. They go up in this game. It was 20 to nothing. And that was still in the first quarter. Yeah, with four minutes to go in the first quarter, 20 to no, excuse me, one minute to go, 20 to nothing. Then at halftime, it's 29-10. And they just seven plates, seven play touchdown drive to start the second quarter. Nine plays and out for, for the Falcons. Another 83-yard touchdown drive. Then the Falcons come back to put some distance between them and the Cowboys, 36-24. To me, the most curious play of the game was when it was 27 and the Cowboy or the Falcons, excuse me, answered the Cowboys back and made it 26-7. They went for two. They went for two at a point in the game where you had, how much time left here? Six minutes to go in the first half, and they're going for two already. They missed that. The Cowboys end up coming back, scoring late, getting an onside kick, and winning the game 40-39. to I don't know how much longer before Arthur Blank gets tired of Dan Quinn not being able to hold leads, but you got to think it's not going to be very much. It's just, it's awful to watch this team try to hold a lead. It really is. And then finally, you know, the showdown on Sunday night where the Patriots, I was on, the, I was on Seattle on Sunday night. The Patriots were able to move the ball against the Seahawks. I understand the Seahawks' defense has a little bit of work to do. Jamal Adams is going to take a little bit of time to, to make the full impact that he's capable of. But Cam Newton, and I said before the season, he was the biggest story in the NFL. Cam Newton has found a home in New England. Good for him. They give the Seahawks as much of a game as they could possibly handle. On the other side, can we stop acting surprised at how great Russell Wilson is? I mean, he, the guy is, I mean, there, there's not a team in the NFL that wouldn't, that wouldn't love to have him as their quarterback. Now, maybe the Chiefs wouldn't replace him, or maybe the Ravens would say we're good with Lamar, but Russell Wilson is as good as it gets in the NFL, and the biggest addition to that team, as far as I'm concerned, was made last year, and that's DK Metcalf. I don't think people understand just how good this kid is. He is a monster. I mean, he is, he's got the, the chance to be every bit as good as Mike Evans or a Julio Jones. In fact, I take DK Metcalf right now. If you gave me a choice of one wide receiver in the league, it's him. 
He's almost, I mean, he is almost unstoppable, assuming that he's healthy. Made a couple mistakes last year. I get it. He's a rookie. That's how it is. But Seattle's going to be a force to be reckoned with this year, especially if they can get their act together on defense, bottom line. But stop acting like you're surprised at how great Russell Wilson is. It's embarrassing. And that's all the time we got this week on The Air Attack. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you check out Facebook.com slash The Air Attack and follow me on Twitter at BCAK The Man and follow the show on Twitter at Air Attack Radio. And remember, The Air Attack with BC The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. Close it out tonight with my man from Nashville. Here's Chase Allen. See you amazing. I am BC The Man. I will see you guys next week on The Air Attack.